TikTok is a social media video app that's well known for its choreographed dances and silly humor. But did you know that mental health video content on TikTok is also incredibly popular? Some are even suggesting that this could be beneficial in breaking down the stigma of mental health and serving as a resource for those who otherwise might not seek help. But do these benefits outweigh the negatives? In today's episode, we explore whether TikTok is beneficial for your mental health or not. Let's dive in. So I was on a panel last week that is right in line with today's topic. It was a panel and it was called The Internet Versus the Experts. And it was sponsored and put on by California Strawberries. Um, as a way to start the conversation about health and nutrition misinformation on social media, which, you know, I never really thought about it until they came to me. And as one person kind of said, you know, not to be dramatic, but you could almost consider the fact that we get the majority of our health information from social media, you know, um, as almost like a small public health crisis. And I was like, you know, you're yeah. right. So yeah. I was joined by three other dietitians. And, um, you know, it was really fun to kind of address some myths and, you know, how to know who to trust and, you know, who not to trust. And, um, you know, I was really, I was really impressed that California Strawberries wanted to do this. You know, you only have so much in your marketing budget. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so rather than ads and stuff, they chose to do this, which really kind of makes me think of them as a thought leader. Um, and, you know, I can always get behind some berries oh, to reduce yeah. inflammation. Exactly. <laughs> and just because they're delicious. Yes. Yes. So we're narrowing it down to look at TikTok specifically. We are. In terms of social media. And we're looking today at the impact they have on your mental health. And apparently, we have some answers that are going to surprise some people. Yes, we do. So TikTok is... There may be some benefits. Mm, I'm still waiting. But yes, there may be. I'm holding out hope. So what's kind of fun today is Briarly took one side... Um, of this she is going to lead the discussion on how health tiktok can be harmful to mental health yep then i'm going to lead the discussion on how it can be beneficial correct and we'll see where people land yes so the thing with tiktok is that it is um it's a huge it's a huge platform i mean social media in general is but tiktok is particularly um, has exploded like a lot since COVID. I mean, that when you see the statistics of how it's like it's sharp rise yeah. into like U.S. culture since COVID started, it's it's really quite um, impressive. Doesn't feel like the right word, but that's the word I'm going to use. So these days they're saying there's about a one billion monthly users. And it is a platform that's really popular with teens and younger kids. And like it... Like, I read that, and I was like, well, okay, that makes sense. How do they validate that? I'm sh- I just didn't find the statistics on that. And then I was like, well, duh, I mean, I, like, barely go on TikTok. I'm not their average target market, yeah. you know? Um, so we are going to talk about mental health um, and TikTok. But what I do think is interesting is that they're in the current, like, news 
news stream. There is like a little bit of a backlash going against TikTok right now. Um, a lot of like, you know, politics and, you know, in Washington, D.C. are really um, questioning, you know, how accessible TikTok should be in the U.S. And some people are saying that it's really just because it's a China-owned company. Yeah, so um, what are their concerns because the of that? Well, first they're wondering if – so because they're worried about, like, privacy and freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. They're worried about tracking. Um, there is – and what they're saying is that, like, every social media company has to navigate all of these same issues in the U.S. and in the EU. But because TikTok has this – foreign ownership and there's some like anti-china sentiment that what they're that that's kind of like the root of or not the root of but that's a big part of why there's a little bit more of a magnifying glass yes they could be gleaming a lot more they don't necessarily have the regulations we have correct exactly getting well and also they also control their media and social media so much more than the U.S. does. So um, anyway, I'm not I'm not super entrenched in that part, but I just thought that it was interesting. I thought it was important for us to like mention that that you are going to hear TikTok in the news more and more because there is more of a political stake here. Yeah. Um, at least currently. Now, when you talk about regulations around TikTok, um, I guess what I was reading was that in 2021 federal regulators told tiktok that they had to disclose like how their practices affected children and teenagers so like pretty much like what were their rules and regulations around anyone under like the 18 year old crowd um and that as a result of that a month later tiktok actually like tightened up their privacy practices for the under 18 crowd i didn't list out all of the practices that they changed Mm -hmm. but some of the things that they did was that they took like under a set age group. I can't remember if it was like I think it was 15 and under maybe. They automatically your your TikTok account was made private. That was like the the default setting. Gotcha. Whereas like 16, 17, past. 18, yeah, the default setting is public. Um so they and they made some other they, they made some other um more like they made more restrictions for yeah. for kids then. But point being is that until 2021 yeah. When they were called out, their restrictions were really not that different from us adults. What I think is interesting is that we really know that TikTok for dances and just kind of stupid stuff. And Oh, yeah. It's got it, like it, laugh out loud humor. Yeah. It really, yeah. They really do. But... With TikTok surge starting in 2020, the mental health started to become a hot topic. Yes. Specifically on TikTok. Um, like mental health content on TikTok. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. People, and like psychologists on there or people sharing, you know, their coping mechanisms or, you know, You've never really seen that before. And according to the LA Times, um, TikTok videos with the hashtag, um, hashtag mental health, have accumulated more than 20 billion views. 
hashtag anxiety has almost 11 billion views and hashtag ADHD has close to 9 billion views. Clearly very popular topics. Yeah. And clearly, yeah, one that people want to see and are intrigued by. Yeah. But that opens up our debate. Quite perfectly. It really does. So... As Carolyn said, I took the side of, yes, TikTok is bad for your mental health. And while I was excited to take this perspective, I definitely wasn't going into it like, oh my gosh, it's absolutely terrible for your mental health. And I also would say that I don't think Carolyn was going in being like, oh my gosh, TikTok is the answer for your mental health struggles. But for the sake of picking a side, I am saying, or I am going to pose the... I'm going to debate the topic and and support the side of TikTok is bad for your mental health. So <clears throat> last year in 2022, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of states, uh, actually state attorneys general, launched this investigation into TikTok and specifically its possible harmful effects on young users' mental health. Now, I will say too, like, I don't know about you, Carolyn, maybe you were more broad, but I focused mostly on um, youth mental health mm-hmm. in this. That was where I found a, more of the information and also kind of like where the groups were, where different groups are focusing, right? So like yeah. the state's attorneys general focus specifically on young users' mental health. So the states that got behind that were California, Florida, Kentucky, Massachusetts, Nebraska, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Vermont. Um, and really what they what their standpoint was, was um, that TikTok has these practices and computer-driven promotion, a.k.a. their algorithm, that elevates content that can endanger both the physical and the mental health of their young users. Um, they, uh, you know, some other... Another um, article I was reading was talking about how the government officials and child safety advocates believe that that TikTok's algorithm specifically pushes video content that can um, promote unhealthy behaviors that range from eating disorders to self-harm and to suicide among young viewers. So... Truthfully, there's not a ton of information out there. Like we found some research studies that looked at um, kind of just assessing mm-hmm. the landscape. We found some that Carolyn will talk about that were positive. Um, I found one about, you know, what happens when you take a social media break? How does that impact your mental health? And I will talk about that. But one thing that kept popping up over and over that I was – I was so intrigued by I actually watched the video. So the Wall Street Journal did this investigation into TikTok. And from the perspective of like how is it impacting your mental health? How does its algorithm work? Um, And what they said was that like when they were done, I'll go through like some of the methodology of what they did. But what they found was that and or what they concluded was that TikTok in particular is so good at finding out interests that you have never actually expressed. Things that you haven't texted, things that you haven't looked up on the internet, um, things that you haven't said out loud that, you know, maybe would get picked up or whatever. And they, what they determined was that TikTok really, to, 
to get at this like things you've like never talked about your deep dark (laughs) interest is they only need one piece of information to figure out what you want and what your what this interest could be and that is the amount of time that you linger over a piece of content you know that's really smart to use that oh it is you know gauge people's interest yes but so to put it another way, basically every second that you either hesitate or rewatch a TikTok video, they are tracking you. And then from there, they start to surface more content for you that's related to that. And ultimately what it which is kind of scary and also interesting about TikTok is that what the Wall Street Journal found was that it and they end up driving you into this deep, deep rabbit hole that you almost can't escape. Mm-hmm. Like it's like these fringe groups of uh, or groupings rather of like videos and you can't necessarily or very easily get yourself out of that like you to to edit the algorithm to start surfacing other content for you ah yes um so what was really interesting was that they hired a uh, a former YouTube guy and a former – the same person was a former YouTube guy who worked on the algorithm at YouTube and a former Google person to do a bunch of their analysis. And what he said was that he found that TikTok is much more powerful and can learn your vulnerabilities faster. Like their algorithm is more powerful and they can learn your vulnerabilities faster. And he said, so for example, at YouTube, in your like what's recommended for you – is about 70% of views of like our our YouTube views. 70% of what we watch on YouTube comes from what's recommended gotcha. for us, right? Which is based off of the algorithm. On TikTok, n- up to 95% of what we watch comes from their recommendation engine. Wow. Yeah. So like big, big difference, right? All right. So – I'm going to tell you guys what the Wall Street Journal, like their actual, the methodology of their investigation. So they created 100 automated TikTok bots to look like actual users, Mm -hmm. right? And some way, somehow, this is where my tech knowledge stops. Some way, somehow, they program these bots to have these interests and, you know, pause on content, hover over, rewatch it, whatever. Um. So looking and and the way that TikTok works is that when you get started on it, they show you a wide variety of highly liked videos, like videos with millions of views. Like, have you ever seen the dancing dog? There's a really funny dancing dog one. But anyway, yeah. point is, is that they show you like super popular videos and that's where they start you to then drill down. Well, what the Wall Street Journal found was that TikTok um, learned these bots habits of like what they liked and what they didn't like in less than two hours and in a couple cases they learned in 40 minutes what these people liked these people people i'm using air quotes here bots so there was one in particular that they talked about and i don't know if they did multiple um that focused on sadness type content but there was one in particular that they talked about a lot in in their investigation and they found that within so what happened was this this bot, right, stopped, um, paused on content that was related to, like, sadness, a breakup, um, sort of, you know, on the verge of depression mm-hmm. kind of video. And from there, it just 
it that was kind of like the tipping point, right? Or the beginning mm-hmm. that that got them going. And so after a few hours, their entire so so what they did in that time period was then TikTok started surfacing videos about like a breakup or about anxiety or about just, you know, general loneliness. And what they found was this bot was was going after like sadness and depression related yeah. content. So then within within a few hours, their entire feed was essentially flooded with videos specific to depression and sadness, like with hashtags too on that topic. And and for for their specific feed, what the Wall Street Journal analyzed was that 93% of those videos that this user was getting were about depression and sadness. Okay. That is kind of scary how quickly they track you and know what you like. But to play devil's advocate, this doesn't – videos that have a connection to depression or sadness or breakups don't necessarily – that doesn't necessarily mean they have a negative effect on your mental health. Right. And they didn't, and obviously they couldn't measure that because this wasn't a human behind it. It doesn't, it, not at all. And also one of the things that they, that they, the investigators also explained was that it wasn't, like it wasn't like it's malicious of TikTok, right? It's that the goal is for you to stay engaged mm, yeah. longer and so that's what this is doing is it's surfacing content that they think you want to keep you engaged, to keep you on the platform, to keep you scrolling. Um, but apparently a TikTok representative said, well, you know, that remaining 7% is meant to help the user discover different content that they might like. But what they ended up finding, the Wall Street Journal did, is that like a decent portion of that small, slim 70% ended up, or sorry, 7% ended up being like ads. So it gotcha. so the percentage of let's give you some other content that you might like was probably even less than 7%. So but you're right it didn't it doesn't say necessarily or, or it doesn't say at all there's no correlation there that watching these videos leads to you know poorer mental health and I mean, I would I would say even for some people, maybe it gives them validation and acceptance. They know they're not alone. They know and, they're not yeah. alone. Exactly. But <clears throat> I think the part that bothers me the most about it is that if you're looking at 90 plus percent of your content is related to this, and then it becomes difficult to get out of that being the primary content yeah. in your feed, it doesn't. It would start to annoy me. Well, or or it would, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, there is something to, to be said for, like, you know, gratitude journaling and, like, all the happiness projects type uh, stuff, right? And so if you're constantly in this state of, like, sadness and depression, I mean, I, I'm just speaking, like, hypothetically that would, that here. That make like, me sad. I, yeah. I don't <laughs> think it's going to, I don't think it's going to help me. Right. Right? It's not going to help. Right. Um. Okay, so now that I've gone on my soapbox, I'm going to end with this study that I found. Um, It was published in May of 2022, so not very long ago, about taking a one-week break from social media. You'll see why I brought this up because it does speak specifically to TikTok. So what they found was taking a one-week break from social media improved mental health overall. They looked at well, like the well-being scores, they looked at depression scores, and they looked at anxiety scores. And this was Facebook, Instagram, um, 
Twitter and TikTok oh. were the social media platforms that they took a break from. And they did two groups, right? A control group, the group that doesn't mm-hmm. make any changes to their habits, and then the group that takes a one-week break. Um, and so what they found, n- not surprising, especially since I'm on the TikTok is bad for your mental health, you know, stand here, is that the break improved both well-being and depression scores. There wasn't across the board, like cutting back on social, on all of the social media platforms, um, great for, for depression scores, for mental well-being. Now, when it came to anxiety, there really wasn't a significant effect when you took a break from Facebook, from Twitter, or from Instagram. But if you took a break from TikTok, there was significant improvement in your anxiety. Wow. That's interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I Facebook makes me more anxious. Maybe because <laughs> although I don't watch TikTok that much. I can see though that Facebook could make you more anxious because, because it's there's more, more of the local comparison. people and moms and you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Which actually also and you might I don't know if you're gonna get into this because full disclosure, I have not looked at Carolyn's stuff um because I didn't want to be biased. Uh but we didn't we didn't even really touch on the whole like comparing the comparison factor that can be negative for social media um, or the like filtered factor that especially like that for at least for females could be negative. Um, we really just focused on the use of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you make a good case. I rest my case. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the other side. Um, I'm going to talk about TikTok being a resource for mental health information. You know, TikTok really skyrocketed in 2020. Or that's, they had about 850 million new downloads. And I think it was like everybody was home. You finally had the time to explore this new app. Mm-hmm. Um, you needed something to do, so maybe you tried out some of the dances. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But also in 2020 was the first time this country or initiated discussion in this country for the first time about mental health issues. Yes, and like much more publicly. 2020 made it okay to say I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And before that, that was not a topic, not a hot trending topic, not a – so mental health wasn't really talked about. It wasn't mainstream. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, COVID definitely helped make it much more mainstream. Yes. So the fa- and TikTok really played a key role in this. So the fact that those hashtags have so many views, anxiety, ADHD, um, mental health, um, really shows the role that TikTok played in starting or, you know, hosting the conversation about mental health. And that in itself... I think is huge, really getting the conversation out there, particularly to a group that really needed it, your teens, your young adults mm-hmm. at the time. Um, but also you started to see, you know, this wasn't just influencers getting on TikTok talking about maybe their ADHD or their depression or whatever, you started to see actual healthcare professionals, like psychiatrists, 
yes. and psychologists yeah. and mental health advocates. So, you know, to me, TikTok can be is beneficial to mental health primarily because it breaks down some of those key barriers that people have or have had to get help. Um, so it may it makes people more aware of mental health issues. You know, there's there's a big lack of mental health education and just awareness in a lot of communities still. So it made people aware. It educated people. Um, I am lucky enough to have a doctor that when I need really good health advice, whether it's physical or mental health, you know, that I feel like I can go to to direct me to mm-hmm. get the, you know, advice that I need, um, even for mental health. And a, but a lot of people do not have that. You know, they just go to the doc in the box. Or um, a lot of people don't have that resource. Um, another major barrier that TikTok gets around is it's hard to get an appointment. Mm-hmm. It is hard to get in with a new therapist. It's even harder to get in with a psychiatrist. It is, there is a major, major shortage. And so TikTok offers a place where you can get access to psychiatrists, to counselors, to therapists, psychologists. Um, another barrier to mental health, getting mental health um, care is lack of insurance and cost. That is a huge cost one. Cost is a huge it one. It is even, not even covered well insurance, by insurance. expensive. Yeah. 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 Even with insurance, a session, you know, you may still pay 50 to 200 out of pocket mm-hmm. for a 60 minute session. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the discussion, the education, the awareness that TikTok videos were offering, you know, was better than, could be better than nothing, you know, if someone didn't have the money. Um, and then I kind of already talked about this, but just it, it broke, it started to break down the social stigma. Mm-hmm. You know, this, um, that, and that was a huge barrier for people, still is a huge barrier for people in seeking treatment. Um, but also, people can be their own, um, can, what am I trying to say? Their own beliefs about mental illness can prevent them from acknowledging the illness mm-hmm. or getting help. Right. And I think... Um, or getting the right type of help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then another thing is there's a lot of racial barriers. Um, there are significant disparities in mental health care accessibility among different races and ethnic groups. Um, there's a lack of diverse diversity in your pool and those in the mental health field. Um, in fact, there was a study from the American Psychological Association, 84% of psychologists, 67% of social workers, and 88% of mental health counselors are white. Wow. You know? And you do, I don't, you know, you, I would think you would feel more comfortable and more open going to someone who can understand your background or your cultural differences. Yes. And I didn't realize the disparity or the lack of diversity was that great yeah no I had no idea was that I, I mean I when I think about the people that I've seen in my own history I'm like oh they're all white they're all white yeah they are all white yeah so 
you know, and I found another statistic. Only about half of Americans who have a mental health issue receive mental health treatment or services. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that stat is probably high, higher than it. I bet it's. I mean, I bet low. the stat should be, low. Yeah, I think it should be a larger percentage. I think it should be higher. Yes. Um, but <clears throat> what an article pointed out is that 85% of Americans, so 50, only 50% get help, yet 85% of Americans have a smartphone. Mm-hmm. You know, you technically could be increasing the amount of people that get some education or awareness. So, you know, to sum it up, I think TikTok can be beneficial um, because of the education part. It makes, you know, mental health much more accessible. And just the fact that it has generated topics related to mental health have generated so much interest. I mean, they're like a trending topic mm-hmm. on social media, mm-hmm. you know, to on think TikTok. where we were yeah. 2019 and before. That's shocking. Um, I think it also can be um, a source of validation for, you know, you feel really, particularly before mental health was such a hot topic, it was, you can feel very alone and like you're the only one with this problem, you know, and no one was talking about it. So that just compounded things. But, you know, people can find validation um, or know that they're not the only one feeling alone or having these symptoms. Um, the access to mental health professionals mm-hmm. who are putting videos on TikTok um, is a huge one. And then community. It really, this is kind of goes with the validation, but it creates spaces where people who maybe felt different or that they, you know, didn't belong or just felt odd having these symptoms or a mental health condition. And it can be a place where they feel like they um belong um and you know i think we talk about communication and connection but i think that's really important when you're talking about mental health yes it's i think it's huge yeah so you know talking about mental health was a huge obstacle that i'm shocked you know without the pandemic i don't think we would be this far and this open Yes, I definitely it, don't think it it'd was, be it was trending a quick, of a topic. A quick jump. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, once something starts to feel normalized um, to the population or to people, then it's a lot easier to be receptive to that information and maybe seek help. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. I mean, I even as you were saying that, even today, I was um, – reading an article about a therapist who has an exorbitantly large number of followers on social mm-hmm. media and she recently put out a workbook and I was like huh huh think about how many people are probably following her on social media and now they're gonna get this like workbook and start working on their own stuff see that's awesome with a workbook which is great that yeah. that is great, but what I would say, so to play devil's advocate to your argument, yeah, is that while I love the fact that it's become a more commonly talked about um, issue, right, is that it also ties in really well uh, with the panel that you spoke on. Mm-hmm. When you're in the social media space, it's really hard to know who's putting out good. Yeah. credible information whenever 
in all health aspects. And there was a study recently on ADHD that talked about how in social media, they surveyed like ADHD information in social media and how there is a fair amount of misinformation and like the call to action, right, in the from the researchers was really that clinicians just need to be aware, right? So people that are like fielding people, pe- people who are fielding, clinicians who are fielding patients that have this like newfound ADHD information and think they could, you know, be a be affected by it because of the videos they've seen seen, they you know the self-diagnosis the doctor google that sort of thing that clinicians just need to be aware and so that's the part even when we're talking about like mental health on tiktok like it's not it's not that it's regulated nobody's regulating who's putting what out there and so you can't use it for self-diagnosis yes exactly and you can't replace it for other things like you can't replace therapy with it or you can't replace right. medication with it and I know you weren't advocating that yeah but because there is so much out there and it I just to me it begs the question of like well how do you know if what you're getting is like legitimate information yeah. and that's really what this panel was about you know how do you how can you make those professionals stand out more yeah you know yeah um you know and I think it comes down to really being aware of the effects watching TikTok has on you Um, and then checking your information sources out. But, you know, back to how it makes you feel like, how do you feel after watching it? Are you happy? Are you relaxed? Are you kind of bothered? Are you a little more anxious? Are you kind of wound up? You know, how do you feel? Um, I think that can be, that doesn't help you with figure out what the misinformation is but I think that can kind of be your gut check of is this positive for me or not yeah I, I mean I think that's uh, that I think that is probably like the best piece of advice that we could give to listeners in in the study I was talking about the one where only anxiety was improved when yeah. TikTok was eliminated you know in the conclusion a lot of a lot of times they'll talk about other studies um, on the topic that's similar mm-hmm. right and one they did um, in that in this in the conclusion they were talking about a study that looked at limiting social media usage in undergraduates, so like college students, right? Um, to just ten minutes per platform per day for three weeks, and that improved their um, depression. But then in a whole different group of undergraduates, mm-hmm. it didn't really do anything interesting so I think it goes back to like how does it make you feel like but like maybe cutting it out in different ages and stages of life is you know it it just make to me it just makes it like it's an individualized thing right it's not broad sweeping now that said I think as parents and it can change as things in your life change you know it may be a really positive thing at one point and then not so much later um you know I think the other thing is monitor your time you and don't substitute tiktok interaction for real people interaction Mm, so true you know there's i've noticed my son he'll get invited to go over to a friend's house and i know he wants to go but he's having trouble leaving his screen Mm -hmm. and i'm just like put it down you know 
real interaction is still superior to, you know, social media interaction. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. DM conversations do not replace in real life. Interacting. Yeah. With real people. So, you know, I I don't think there's a clear cut yes or no answer. I mean, obviously we could probably live without social media. And I will say when I, when my social media was hacked and I had no access, it was, it was a little nice. I had more time to do some other things. Um, but, you know, using social media for, as a health source, is a whole nother ball game that you just have to kind of be careful with. Yeah. I also, I don't understand enough about how to work TikTok. Um, Same. And that is probably the part of it that makes me that much more cautious about spending a lot of time on it, yeah. particularly if the algorithm is really controlling what I see. Like there are ways I know how to navigate my way around Instagram so that I can really see what I want to see. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I still see what the algorithm gives me, but I know how to minimize it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think from what I have like read and you and I have talked about in preparation for this episode, it really feels like, of the of the social media platforms, TikTok is definitely among like high on the list of me being like the most yeah. leery of. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. And after you telling me how it really zeroes in on your likes, it makes me very happy that TikTok knows that my daughter likes fruity mocktails. Yeah, because I think that's all that shows up in her feed. <laughs> That is perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Okay, well, let us know what you think. Yes, and tell us what you're doing with your kids, too, if you happen to have younger kids under your roof. Yes. All right, well, Carolyn, this was a lovely debate. Maybe we will try this format yeah, again. Yeah, like the debate format. It's kind of fun. It and it's, fun. then you only have to do half the research. That's so true. <laughs> and you just get to learn when the other person yeah, talks. Yeah, So true. Okay, see you all next week. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.